0: Hey everybody. Did you know that I am on social media? I have mixed feelings about it though, so I'm not on the personal social media. I used to be. I used to be on Facebook. Actually, I, my first social bit of social media was before the term social media existed and that was through AOL, America Online, when when my fa- my family's household still had dial up. You had to go through the phone line to get to the internet and it was super slow. And that version of social media was AOL Instant Messenger, and I would always go on and I would look for various people I knew or people from towns that I was interested in learning about, and I would just connect with them. I remember I was writing about, I was writing a screenplay about a town in Long Island, New York, and I'd never been to Long Island, New York, I'd never even been to New York, period, Uh, any part of it, and so... I used AOL Instant Messenger to find people who lived in this town to ask them about, hey, what's it like living in Long Island, New York? What's it like living in that little hamlet of yours? Tell me about the library. Tell me about downtown. Are there coffee shops? What do you do? And so I started painting this picture of a place I'd never been to based on the descriptions of complete strangers who I'd never met. And to this day, I've never met them. That was almost 20 years ago that I had written that, that screenplay. And so... I really learned how to use the connectivity that the internet gives, gives you to better my art and my craft and my storytelling. And then MySpace came along long after I moved to New York and I say long, but really just a few years after I moved to New York. Uh one of my roommates at the time told me about MySpace so I signed up for MySpace. I didn't care for it. I didn't know why I didn't care for it, but I used it for maybe a year or so and then I deleted it. I know now why I didn't care for it, but I needed to go through many other social media applications to understand it. So what replaced MySpace? Facebook. Facebook is still like the thing. And I had that for a number of years, off and on, quitting and then coming back to it, quitting and then coming back to it, and um, I ended up quitting that too. And now I can't even come back to it because I told them to do not let me come back to it. So anytime so there was a time last year when I, during the pandemic, when last spring I shouldn't say last year because the pandemic is still happening, but last spring during the initial launch of the pandemic, I was of course feeling lonely and bored and. Wanting a, a connection with, you know, people outside of New York City, and so I signed up for Facebook. And honoring my initial request, they wouldn't let me, which is fine. I don't regret it. Uh, and so, what, what did what did I do then? Oh wait, yeah. So I've had I Insta- would had Instagram for a while, and Twitter, and I ended up getting rid of my personal Twitter and. The only Twitter that I quote-unquote have, which is more for the brand, is the Twitter for the podcast. That way I have a place to kind of blast out the latest episodes. Instagram, I shut down. Um, I actually didn't delete it. I just kind of cleared it of followers and followees and uh, archived it as a private account because I don't know how to take all the photos down. And I don't know if I have an archive, a local archive of all those photos. So, and the reason I, I got rid of that was because I felt that it was disingenuous. And as a person, like, I am this, I'm a pale 39-year-old male who does a lot of no-slash-low-budget indie films and Instagram people on Instagram didn't really seem to want to follow that. (laughs) So I bailed on that. My audience was clearly not there, you know. And uh, there's some personal reasons too. There's some more personal reasons. Like I was connected with some people who I knew personally, but there were reasons I didn't want them following me and I didn't want to follow them. But I'm not going to go into that because that's too personal. But I decided I I just wanted to disconnect from all of that. So right now I have this professional Twitter, which I only use for the podcast. I'm also on LinkedIn, which I urge you to connect with me with if you're interested in my work and you want me to be interested in your work. If you're a creative person, especially, I'll be interested in what you do. Connect with me. Uh, I'd like to see what you're up to. But here's the one that I can't get rid of. And the reason is because this is the one where I'm actively trying to build the audience. This is the one I don't take personally and can't take personally. Can you guess what it is? It's YouTube. That's right. I'm on YouTube. I've been on there since before Google bought it. It wasn't always the same channel, though. See, my first channel was in 06. Was in the fall of two thousand six, maybe two thousand five, but I don't remember specifically. But it was a long time ago, and I remember I was making my film Hero for a Day, which is a movie you'll never see. Um, and no, it wasn't Hero for a Day. Hero for a day was done when I was still in Maine this was a movie called the Long Island Project this was a feature movie that I shot on mini DV I was doing the Long Island Project and I had a trailer cut uh, on my Avid Express DV <laughs> and um, I needed a, I needed a place to put it and I didn't know where to put it and so somehow some way I found YouTube and I put it up there on a whim not really knowing anything about what it was and it blew up you know looking back on it it looked like a very amateur movie if you look at anything shot on mini dv it looks very amateur like amateur hour just by nature of the format but i remember the feedback back then was well this looks really professional this guy obviously went to film school he should be banned from a place called youtube that was the main comment is that I should be banned from YouTube because my stuff looked too professional. I would wonder what they think about it hosting channels for MSNBC and Universal Studios and Warner Brothers and all that. Like, cause those are, those are all organizations that now have YouTube channels. So <laughs> I actually think that my demographic was the perfect, uh, demographic for YouTube, uh, film, indie filmmakers who didn't have a place to put their work. That is the perfect demographic for anything called YouTube. And so at a certain point, though, I deleted that, that account. And, uh, you know, when things get bought by bigger companies, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. And so I don't want my data being transferred. And so what I'll do if, is if, if I have a an account with a servicer, and that servicer, if I find out that they're going to be sold to a bigger conglomerate, I'll usually d- delete my account and then only sign up later if um, I feel like it's going well. Um, it's just regular practice for me. So what happened was in '08 when I founded my first New York based company, I created a YouTube channel for that. And that one did pretty well because initially I was outputting all of these short horror movies like really horrific, bloody stuff, and people really responded to that. And then I got rid of that channel in 2014 when I dissolved the company and went back to school. So my current channel is just for me, and I don't have really any intentions on deleting it. I, I really want to commit to growing it. It's just Eric Norcross Cinema, and uh, you can find me very easily. I have my my YouTube channel is populated by clips from some of my previous short movies it's got a trailer for my new movie fractals which i'm currently working on it has some of my live poetry readings yeah i even give out a recipe <laughs> for a sandwich that i like and right now i have an ongoing series about the creative process i, I employed during the making of fractals and the first episode is already up it's the writing process. So I wrote Fractals over the course of two years. And so I kind of, I did a little featurette. It's a seven minutes and 15 seconds long. And it's just me talking about my writing process and how different projects connect with one another. And I highly recommend that because by the end of the month, the second episode will go live. And that'll be sort of about how I embrace learning about other artistic mediums that I previously never had experience with to sort of make projects like fractals visually interesting, visually unpredictable. Like when I look at fractals when it's all done, I wanna safely say I could have never predicted that this is what this would movie that this is what this movie would look like, sound like, and feel like. And so the 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 reason for these featurettes is to break down the whole process that will allow me to say that about that movie when it's eventually finished so i'm telling you about all this social media because i really want to want you to connect with me and and i really want to connect with you my dear listeners so connect with me on youtube linkedin or twitter uh on twitter what's my handle of uh, Eric's Cine Life. Well, that makes sense. Eric's Cine Life Podcast. It's a picture of me. And I always pin the latest podcast if I can remember to do so. And uh what else? I, I update LinkedIn a couple times a week, give or take. And I always update it when I have a new podcast. Um yeah, those are the those are the social media services I use. I also have Vimeo, but that's more of a professional thing that I don't think there's much of a community there to be honest with you. Like they have filmmakers on there, but they don't seem interested in other filmmakers unless they're potential clients or whatnot. It's a whole different vibe up there. So Anyway, that's as a filmmaker, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't really, I'm not really embracing all the mainstream platforms except for LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter. So connect with me there. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Uh, I'd love to have you on board this thing. And, you know, if you have a podcast that you think I'd dig, send it to me. I'll listen. Also, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter and on, on YouTube and, you know, reach out to me and tell me who you are and tell me how you found me and I'll do the same. I'll, I'll subscribe to you. You know, I'll follow you. I don't care. Why not? Let's do it. All right. So that's it. This is a short, short episode. I know, but listen, I want to, before I go, I've already uh, mentioned this earlier but I'm looking for an independent film that was made some years back. And I can't seem to find it. I can't even find anyone who knows about it, but I know it exists. So I'm going to tell you all the details really quickly before I leave. In southern Maine, in the early to mid-1990s, an indie sci-fi movie was made. I mean, this thing looked super no budget. It was called Lobster Roy. And it featured an actor named Mark Persky. Mark was the morning show, one of the morning show disc jockeys for the local radio station out of Portland, Maine, WBLM 102.9 FM. And I remember Mark was in it because he was like a local celebrity when I was growing up. And I remember calling him at one point to do some of my movies. And when I had him on the phone back in 2009 to do my short film, Gnarled Hollow Road, I asked him about it. And I said, what's the, well, you were in a movie about a giant lobster that comes out of the water and attacks a city. And he laughed. He had forgotten about it briefly and, I asked him the title, and he said the title was Lobster Roy. And I said, well, do you know where I could get a copy? And he had no idea. He didn't even have a copy, and he was in the movie. He was in the movie. Uh, and he had also apparently communi- he had communicated to me that, like, I guess, the filmmaker, the chief filmmaker behind it had gone to prison and maybe had died in prison or something. I don't know. If you know where a copy of this movie can be found. If you know where it exists, please reach out to me through my, the contact form of my website, www.ericnorcross.com. It's my name, E-R-I-C-N-O-R-C-R-O-S-S.com, ericnorcross.com. If you haven't visited my website yet, it's pretty dope. I decked it out with all of my writing, all of my filmmaking. Uh, there's an archive of everything I've ever shot that you can access. And you can't see every project, but you could, like, there's a list dating back to 1998 of every little thing, even every roll of Super 8 film I ever shot. Uh, extensive bio, extensive uh, CV. You can uh, obviously get a link to this podcast, to my blog. I have a blog. I don't update it that much, but I update it periodically. Uh, you can even look at my professional reel, I have one of those too yeah so and that's www.ericnorcrest.com reach out to me also reach out to me if you want me to talk about anything on this podcast if you have guest ideas i'm going to start having guests as soon as the world opens up um what else that's it lobster roy subscribe connect with me reach out to me i'm here in quarantine with eight cats Human contact, everybody. Human contact.